This is Greg Gagne, and give me back my pro wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I'm Dean Hill. See you at ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And today we have a very special episode. So, you know, we've reached a little bit of a semi-partnership with Powertown Wrestling. We had our Steve Rosenthal episode. It's definitely one of the biggest episodes we've ever had as far as reach and stuff like that. So being that you know, we made that partnership with them and we've kind of developed a relationship with their company. And we received a message the other day that we could not turn down. Obviously, one of them is the Magnum TA episode, but this one today is absolutely huge. As you saw on the welcome mat, Greg Ganya. Jut, what do you think of this? This is nuts, man. Yeah, it's crazy to know that we've got somebody with the experience and with the name like Greg Ganya and you know, all the people he's been around, all the people he's worked with, uh, his father uh, is an amazing promoter, wrestler, all-around athlete. And to have that possibility, we couldn't pass up that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, our liaison to Powertown is a girl named Kayla. So, Kayla, we greatly thank you, as always, for everything. But with that being said, the episode with Steve really opened new doors for us, not only with listenership, but also with, you know, big-name people, man. And, and I mean, you know, Steve is is a legend to us because we collected Remco figures, but Greg Gagne is a legend to everyone, not only for his wrestling career, but the company that he worked for with his father, that his father created, AWA. They brought you Hogan. They brought you Flair. They brought you the Iron Sheik. They brought you Mr. Perfect. Sergeant Tell Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter. Larry Zabisco. I mean, Keep Baron going. Von Raschke. Baron Von Raschke. Larry the Axe Henning. I mean, we could go on and on. AWA will forever be one of the most important promotions in wrestling history. And, you know, to be able to speak to Greg is just absolutely just a thrill for us. We're very happy to be able to speak to people like Cousin Condry and Hammerjack and Chris Michaels. We're thrilled to be able to talk to everyone in the wrestling business. I'm telling you, man, I'm stoked for this one. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, it's kind of like a boyhood dream to talk to wrestlers like this. And to get that opportunity is one of those things, you know, you just never know if you'll ever get. And when we started this podcast, I, I didn't have the aspirations of being able to talk to somebody this big. But it's nice to know that uh, uh, we have that opportunity. To know that this opportunity is arising from our little old podcast, you know, I, dude, I mean, you and I grew up fans. We had his action figure in our hand. We may have, you know, I may have it right now in my hand. You may have it right now. I was going to say that, but I like <laughs> your style, Sheik. So, you know, with that being said, you know. We just want to thank you all, the listeners, for allowing us to have this level of listenership to where we can achieve things like this. Our childhood dreams, you know, and not to sound like Shawn Michaels or or whatever, but at the same time, you know, this is a dream of ours to be able to talk to professional wrestlers and to be involved in professional wrestling. But we could not do that with you, you all out there in listener land. So thank you so much for continuing to listen to our show and continuing to help our numbers grow. Can't thank you enough. You you all make it worth it. We do have some cool things on the horizon, some big fun plans that we're not going to talk about right now. But right now, you know, as it is, I think we should just talk to Greg Ganya. What do you say to that, man? I'm ready for it. All right. We'll be right back after these messages with Greg Ganya. Hey, guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis. We're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. 
you're a fan of rock and music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And today we have a very special guest. He is the legendary Greg Ganya. Mr. Ganya, it is so great to meet you and talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much. That was quite an intro. I appreciate that. You can live up to it here. Yeah, well, we do our best. Now, I do. Want to, so will I. <laughs> I want to clear one thing up. Now, is this the shortstop yep. for the Minnesota Twins, or is this the well, quarterback? Well, we're done now. We're done right now. That one, we're done. This is the quarterback from Wyoming. <laughs> the, the quarterback from Wyoming. That's what I thought. Is that weird? I, I mean, <laughs> it's funny you should ask. I just opened up the mail and I had four baseball cards of Greg Gagne and they wanted me to sign them. And I always <laughs> have to send them back. Oh. And I, he got the wrong guy you here. Oh man. Uh, when he was in Minnesota, we got confused all the time. I'm sure and his, he was adopted. His family was from Massachusetts and they went by Gagne. It's a French name. It's really Gagne is the way it's pronounced. Right. And, uh, so I'd get his mail and he'd get mine and I'm still getting his and he's probably still getting mine. But, uh, <laughs> You got the right guy. You got the wrestling guy on you. Yeah, that's what we wanted to know. And it was that's always was. funny because, you know, during the twins' big heydays, during that time, I was like, why is he Gagney? That's Gagne. Yeah. <laughs> that's him, you know, well, we, we, we had to, they, we had to go by that basic business. We were, it was just too confusing for everybody here in Minnesota. That makes but, sense. Uh, yeah. That's the way they pronounce it in Boston anyhow, but it was, it's really a, supposed yeah. to be a little accent goo after the E for the French Gagne. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the legendary Gagne, I mean, Vern, you know, the ledge, how is it having a legend for a father? Well, it's hard to live up to, but what, uh, what I learned at a young age, you don't try to live up to it. You just try to do your own thing and be your own personality. Right. And that's what he used to tell all of us when he trained us, you know, be yourself. Yeah. You know, don't try to be somebody you're not and be yourself and you'll either, either make it or you won't. But, uh, yeah. You know, fortunately enough, you know, I, you know, people always say, well, uh, you know, how hard is it to follow? I'm not following his footsteps. I'm doing my own thing and trying to make my own footsteps. So of course. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing great. That's why we always approached everything. <laughs> Greg, when, when you were training under your dad, did, did you feel like that he was me and my dad have worked together for years and I always feel uh-huh. like that he he's always was harder on me than he was other oh, people. Oh <laughs> God almighty. Tell me about it. <laughs> So I can imagine with yeah. with somebody like your father's stature that oh. that is a, a legit wrestler, the legit oh, shoot yeah. fighter if you wanted to be. I, mean, and, oh, I go back to a grade school, went to a Catholic school. We had the nuns and then the priest came in every six weeks to give us our our, uh, uh, our cards, our, uh, <laughs> our grades. Yeah. Um, but all the nuns they, at that time back in the, it was in the mid fifties and early sixties wrestling in Minneapolis was on Tuesday nights Yeah, and they would put the, uh, early matches on Then you wouldn't get the late ones. They'd go off the air. So of course, every Wednesday morning, the nuns are all over me. Hey, did, did your dad win last night? Did your dad win? And I said, well, you know, I was in bed. He didn't get home. I don't know. (laughs) So the priest is is giving out the report cards. And he calls me and he says, gee, hey, what happened last night with your dad? And I said, well, you know what, Father, I don't know. I mean, you know, he got home late. What do you mean you don't know? Man, he chewed my ass out <laughs> in tears. I was only in about the fourth grade, and I'm going, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was always, you know, things like that. And Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a good life, but he he was very hard on us, in fact. I tell people, I said, I've only, I got three compliments my whole life from him. The first one was my senior year playing football. Last game of the season, I completed 12 of 14 passes 
for, I don't know, 200, 300 yards and four touchdowns and ran for two touchdowns. That's amazing. And, he, and then after the game, he said, man, I, you know what, Greg, I'm really proud of you. You did a heck of a job out there. Wow. And then the next one was uh, we were wrestling in the Cow Palace in San Francisco. We were defending the tag team title, Brunsell and myself, against Tito Santana and Rick Martell. Wow. And the Cow, Cow Palace is a big, empty building. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, people are way away from me. It's, it's for the, it's for the uh, rodeos. Yeah. But we had about 14,000 people in there. So, so, I mean, they got a big card and we're on second to the last match. They got a championship match coming after us. We got our tag team, then the singles championship. And uh, Martell and, and uh, Tito are walking out to the ring and the people are going, bullshit, bullshit. Going, oh my God. You know? So then we come out. And we get the same thing, boring, bullshit, boring, bullshit. So we wrestled for about 18 minutes and Tito and uh, Rick had different holds on us. And we did these big spots. We'd come out of them and they'd get us back in it. At 18 minutes, we had the people standing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So we went 43 minutes then. And... We just, we had them standing the entire time after that. And that cheering all went from that boring bullshit to they, they had no idea what was going on. And we just had uh, had a lot of fun. But when we came back to the locker room, Vern was the first one to grab us. Yeah. And he said, I'm so proud of you guys. That was one of, that was the greatest match I've ever seen. How wow. You guys took wow. control of that crowd. And then Bachwinkle came up and Jerry Blackwell and Ray Stevens and Baron Von Raschke and everybody on the card and just took the four of us and said, unbelievable guys. That's so incredible. That the second one. And then the third one, I was wrestling with him in a tag team match with Bachwinkle and Saito. Hmm. And we were in St. Paul and it was 18,000 people in there. And uh, he was in his 60s about that time. And so I was in the ring most of the time. When we got out, he took me aside and he said, you're better than I ever was. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the three compliments I got that, uh, you know, they were hard to earn from him. You really needed to do something special to get a compliment from him. Otherwise, rode you pretty hard. Sure. Hard, but I'm sure if your dad was like that, you know what that's like. Yeah, that makes you better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our, our dad didn't pass out too many compliments either. I mean, it's when you really got yeah, one, you're yeah. like, you're like, wow. Yeah, I did yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great feeling. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> so about your father, I remember a few years back, maybe ten years plus, the movie The Wrestler came out with Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke. Now I yeah. was asking everyone, is this a remake? of the Vern Gagne classic, The Wrestler, made in 1974, co-starring Ed Asner. Do you have anything that you could share about the movie at all? Well, you know, I mean, I remember when we made it, and, you know, Vern, there was a lot of promoters around the country that put money into it, and um, it did really well in most of the markets that, you know, really promoted it hard. Yeah. Uh, it did really well. And, you know, when the Mickey Rourke one came out, they called it the wrestler. I thought, well, you know what? They can't call it that. Well, right. Statue right. of limitations had ran out. Oh, okay. But their version of it was kind of the guys that never made it in wrestling, you know? Sure. And they're doing those little, little shows around. Sure. And it was more like that where the theme of this one was to build up to the big championship match. And that the new guy, Billy Robinson from England had come over yeah. to take the title from Burns. Yeah, yeah. So, and then they, they, they reenacted some things that really happened in the ring. Yeah. If you remember, yeah. Ray Stevens came off the top rope and uh, onto Joe Scarpello. Right. Well, that actually, it actually happened. It was one of the tallest brothers. And yeah. uh, I forget who came off the top rope onto his throat and killed him right in the ring. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then there was always, you know, when you went out in public and you went to a, went to a local establishment like Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch did. 
you know, everybody wants to try and give you a shot. So they yeah. had a good barroom scene where, where they threw everybody around. Yeah, yeah. So they try to they try to make it like you know, and then they had the training camp, a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, and we had just come out of the training. Myself, Brunzel, Rick Flair, Ken Petura, the Iron Sheik, and Bob Bruggers. <laughs> you just said the and, Mount Rushmore right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh, it was pretty interesting because. Over the years, Vern trained 144 wrestlers. Yeah. And out of that, only two didn't make it to main event level. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I think Michael, uh, Michael Hayes said it best one day in an interview. He said, anybody that came out of, when they came out of the Vern Gagne camp, you knew they were ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. You know, usually, usually it took five to seven years for a young person coming into the business and starting to make it to the main event. Yeah. Uh, our, our group was two and a half to three years, man. So that's a heck of a pedigree to have, to know that the level of talent that was produced from being trained by your dad. And it's amazing that I've looked at, I looked up some of the names in the, in the last week or so. And it's, it just blew my mind. Like it's, it's the who's who of everybody. I know that, well, I know I've, from the Carolinas, that's where you guys are at, right? Yep. Okay. He trained Gene Oley and Lars Anderson. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Ricky Steamboat, Rick yeah. Flair, Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, yeah. There's so many, so many. But everywhere they went, they, you know, everybody was successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you were around Ric Flair some when, when he was coming up and being trained and everything like that. Was there ever... Is there like a thing early on where people could say, you know, he's got something. I know, obviously I've heard that your dad like went after him when he left and gave up and like basically slapped him and said, no, you're coming back. Oh yeah. Um, he knocked him on his ass three different times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew Rick in high school. He was at another high school that played against us and his parents pulled him out of school. He was getting in trouble so much and sent him to, uh, Wisconsin a school over in uh, what's the name of Beaver something. And he went to school over there and he was always in trouble. Yeah. But he started, when he came back, he started training. He was supposed to come to the university of Minnesota. He was a predicted all American football player. Wow. And, uh, he was a non predictor. So he, he never made, never made a practice. Oh. And Murray Warmath, the coach at that time. And I had played my first year at Minnesota as a freshman. He said, Ganya, where's flair? And I said, geez, coach, I don't know. He says, well, you're supposed to be in charge of him. I said, how can I be in charge of him? He says, we got a, we got a bill here for $1,800 for long distance phone calls to Michigan. Wow. So Rick, because he wasn't on the team when we played Michigan, he went to the game in Michigan and met abroad there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're all a young lady, I should say. Sure. I'm sure. sorry. Sure. And, and, uh, he was traveling back and forth, but mostly over the phone. And that's where all the phone calls were coming from. Wow. And he was, he was a character. He came to the camp. He weighed 298 pounds. Right. Right. And, uh, after when he left, he was down to 260, and then he eventually got down to the weight he needed to be at to compete the way he did. But Rick was a natural and, uh, we'd convinced him that this old barn Vern had, and we went from September through the end of January, you know, end up in Minnesota, no windows in it. The doors yeah. are open, one light bulb over the ring and it's 20 below zero and we're sweating our ass off. And he had this one drill where one guy was in the middle and the other, th other, other four, the other five would be on the apron and one would be in with them. And then like say, Patera is starting, they'll call a headlock and they'll call out things and you go hard for three, three to four minutes. And then the one guy that was in the middle stays there and goes through the whole group. So you're, you come out and you're sweating your butt off and you're standing at the end of the line. And now you get up to the beginning of the line and your sweatpants and sweatshirts are, are froze to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, he liked to call a body slam, right? When you walked in there and or some kind of a big bump where you, Oh man, you felt like that cartoon character and you were breaking into pieces all the way. <laughs> That's great. So it was, it was, it was rough. It was, uh, it was, uh, but it was very educational and it, it worked for all of us. And he made everybody work hard and learn the sport the way it needed to be learned. 
Yeah. How to present it to the public. I don't want to stay on other wrestlers. I actually want to talk about you, Greg. So being as it may, the AWA tag team situation where you and Jim Brunzel were the high flyers, you guys were, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think you should be considered, if not one of the most revolutionary tag teams at that time, because you really were taking an element that wasn't necessarily known in the AWA area. You took it to the top rope. And I mean, you worked teams such as Pat Patterson and Stevens, which, you know, even though they're rated really high, they're also very very underrated as a tag team as far as people, you know, but you guys as well, talk about your time in the high flyers with Jim. Well, if Jim, you know, Jim left and went to the WWE, if he'd have stayed there, you know, maybe people would have recognized us more. Right. We did. We, we had two championship runs. One would be Duncan and lands up in Winnipeg. And the other one was with Adonis and Ventura. Yeah. But uh, when you bring up Stevens and Patterson, I mean, Ray Stevens and Nick Bockwinkel held the AW Tag Team Championships for three years. Right, right. And and they wrestled all the big major teams. Yeah. And we were fortunate enough to really start with those two, and then Pat came in later on. And we were wrestling. They called it a cold match. Jim and I were really, I played football at Wyoming, so we got a lot of extra publicity in Denver. The Denver people just really took to us. And the arena was seated about 14,000. And it was kind of round. And when we'd come out, you could just feel the building. It would just vibrate. Mm. So, so Patterson had left for a while. And they didn't have a strong main event match. So they put Jim and I in there with Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson. And of course, Bobby Heenan was their manager. Now, Pat yeah. had been gone for about two years. So we get there. The place is jam-packed. And like I said, we come out and that building is just vibrating. Hmm. And I, I tell this story to kids I'm training because it's how it really, it's not how much you do in the ring. It's what you do right? and how you have to get those, the people, the public into your personality and they're yeah. either going to like you or they're going to dislike you. So we wrestled these two guys and we had, they had a top wrist lock on us and we would get out of it. And they would get us back in by their distracting the referee and one would pull our tights down or pull us down by the hair. Never a punch or a kick thrown in eight minutes. We had a full fledged riot. Wow. (laughs) Trying to get the ring to help us. (laughs) That's amazing. So that's when, you know, you've done your job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get those people emotionally involved in you, you know, and they just, they live and die by you. Oh yeah. It's such, it's just such a wonderful feeling when you can, have that, that with the public, that feeling where, you know, God, I, it's, it's so hard to explain. You can't explain unless you've been there and you feel it when you go in the ring. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan, we wrestled with a six man take team match in Chicago against Blackwell, Stevens and, uh, Bachwinkle. And they were in the ring, Rosemont arena, full of people sold out. We get in the ring and the people go bananas. We go in last one. Hope gets in there. They bail out and he does his pose. And I said to Jim, grab his t-shirt, grabbed the side and tore it off real slow. And yeah. those people exploded. Even today, he'll tell people I got, I gave him that deal. That's awesome. <laughs> that's I mean, awesome. That, that's legendary for him too, you know? So, <laughs> Oh, I know it. He knows it too. Yeah. 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 So you were talking about Bachwinkle and Patterson and Stevens. Do you feel like it was a pretty much an even swap with Pat and Nick as far as the tag team with Stevens? It was it was a little little different. Yeah. Uh, uh, they were all alike in some ways and different in little ways. Gotcha. And uh, Ray and Pat, I would say, had better timing in the ring than Nick did, but Nick overall was probably, uh, well, he was a great wrestler and he was a great champion Yeah, yeah. because of his style. Ray had won championships all over. I mean, Ray was probably one of the, if not the best performer ever in professional wrestling. Yeah. And, and then they had Bobby Heenan and you got to put him up in the top five. Oh, totally. When he was Absolutely. in the ring, he gave the people what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. So we were very fortunate in the AWA because Vern attracted all this top talent because we only worked about 250 to 270 days out of the year. 
Okay. And we got the full month, the first of May off and the first two weeks of June. And then in the summer, we'd only wrestle three, three times, sometimes four times a week. Okay. And Vern, it was very, he wanted everybody to be able to have time with their families. Yeah. It was very important to him. And that's why the best talent always came in here. I mean, you had opening matches with guys that were main event people right. around the country. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a, it was a great, great time. And the AWA, I think was at that time, probably the number one promotion anywhere in the, in the world, really. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Me and Jimmy were talking beforehand, Greg, about, about how that the WWF, WWE couldn't have existed. Yeah. WCW couldn't have really existed without the AWA creating all these people and you know i've often wondered and you can give me your best answer on this it's, it's maybe not something you really thought about but had the awa survived and had they been around today what could you envision that being like i mean would, well, it, would it have had to been more national we could have well we were at we were at the verge of going national and this story is probably ne- maybe been told once or twice if that there was only two people, and we were sworn to secrecy. We had to sign a uh, uh, non-compete, you know, non, uh, what do you call it? NDA. <laughs> NDA, yeah. Yeah, there you go, yep. Uh, with CBS. Oh, wow. Yeah. And oh. it was 1983 was when we were having the big match. In, well, we'd had a match of Battle Royal uh, in October. They ended up. And then... We had Andre in then, and we ran the whole month. We ran Battle Royals, and then the winner was to get Bachwinkle. And uh, Hogan had had a match with Bachwinkle. He'd won the Battle Royal there and didn't get the title. So we're, we got Christmas week coming up, and we've got all our major cities, St. Paul, Chicago, Milwaukee, Winnipeg, Denver, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas. we got them all coming up. And Hogan was going to Japan, so he cut all his interviews before he left. And basically, he was in six-man tag team matches. And uh, the buildings were all sold out. And we get a, on December 21st or 22nd, Vern gets a letter from Florida that says, I'm not coming back. Oh, my. And Vern looked at it from Florida because him and Eddie Graham were good buddies, and they used to pull jokes on each other. Oh, so Vern, Vern for Phil because he thought it was from Eddie, so he threw it away. Yeah. Well, Hogan doesn't show up in St. Paul, and I and I called him. I said, "Tim, what are you doing?" <laughs> he said, "Well, I'm 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 going to New York." And I said, "Well, that isn't the way you do business, you know. Fulfill your commitments. You know, you did all this stuff. We're all sold out. Fulfill your commitments and then leave." Right. Yeah. And. Uh, he said Vince was paying him more to stay home. Oh, wow. So he didn't show up. And where I'm going with this was from there in April, was going to be a match between Bachwinkle and Hogan. And we'd signed the deal with CBS for that match. Oh, man. Two hour prime, prime time TV show. Holy cow. And and that was the match. And now all of a sudden we've lost that match. Oh man. Mm. So if, if he would have hung in there with us, he'd have probably won that title in April and CBS. Then after that one, was going to do a, at least a monthly, uh, show with us on Saturday nights. Wow. That's a totally different. So that scenario. one hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That one hurt. Yeah. Man. Man. And then after that, McMahon just started, you know, picking off our talent. He hit us because we had the biggest area and right. he needed those big markets for, for his TV. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's what went down. Yeah. Now we're just, uh, we're gearing back up. We're coming out of retirement. Oh yeah. Well, Hey, that's the important part. But before we get there, you know, just a little bit of context here, the, my brother, Jared, he is our action figure expert on the show. Okay. Uh And part of the reason we spoke with Steve originally, and then now we're speaking with you, thankfully with that being said, we call him the plastic chic because he's like the, you know, (laughs) he knows about the action figure. So what's Uh funny 
is you also have one of the great legendary sheiks in one of my personal favorite sheiks, Sheik Adnan Al Casey. And, you know, you had an incredible feud with him. You know, it led to a feud with Brody. I mean, King Kong Brody, by the way. Talk about that. I mean, just talk about that feud. God. Well, I tell you, here's first time I wrestled Brody uh, was in Japan. Uh, we had to go over there for a tag team tournament. And we wrestled in Salt Lake City the night before. We had just won the titles, and we had been on the road for 14 straight nights. And we had to go from Salt Lake to Tokyo. Yeah. And our match in Salt Lake was against Blackwell and the Sheik in a cage match. And Blackwell had thrown me over the top rope into the cage. And when I went out, my foot hit the rope, and it twisted my uh, my right leg. And geez, my knee started burning, but you know, you just keep going. Yeah. And the next morning we wake up, we go to Salt Lake airport and my knee is swollen like crazy. So the flight attendants give me some ice to put on it. We get to LA, got to lay over there. And then to Tokyo, 19 hours total there in the plane. Then we had to get jump on a plane to Sapporo. Cab picked us up. We had to get dressed in the cab and go right in the ring. And my knee was unbelievable. Oh, God, uh, it was killing me. Yeah. So we wrestled about 15 minutes that night. The next night we had uh, Dory Funk Sr. and Giant Bubba. We wrestled uh, them for 48 minutes and won the match. <laughs> the next night we had Saruta and uh, Teneru. We wrestled them for 59 minutes and won that match. Then we get Stan Hansen and King Kong Brody. and they are like legends in japan right so we get out in the ring and i got my back i got my uh i'm in the back to the turnbuckle and i can see they're coming out and jim's we're talking and you know jesus we're gonna we're in for a battle here we gotta you know really fire up here well we were pretty fired up my knees killing me and all of a sudden i said jesus look out jim gets hit with the cowbell i get hit with a chain the ring we go they run us there's no rules in japan they run us through the crowd of people hit us with a fire extinguisher we're both cut up we had matches i guess i guess it started but it doesn't feel like it started you know like we (laughs) normally start one so we're trying to fight back to the to the ring and i see this these japanese they jumped off their chairs and one fell on the floor right next to me was folded up and hansen's running at me and i threw it like a frisbee and hit him right on the bridge of the nose Wow. His nose exploded and down he went. <sighs> we wrestled these guys for 33 minutes. And the next day, our arms were black and blue from reaching up and hitting them from, <laughs> from the fist down to our elbow. And we <laughs> thought we had them. Jim had, uh, had drop kicked Hanson out of the ring. And Brody had had Jim, and I came off the top rope and hit him with a big elbow and it dropped him right to his knees. And yeah. as I looked up, all of a sudden I see Jim go flying over the top rope and Brody's on his knees, his head's up to my chest and he's bear hugged. Both arms are pinned and here comes Hanson firing across the ring and gives me that lariat. Wow. And that was the last thing I remembered. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. But we met, we had to meet him then in the finals in the Tokyo Dome. And that was another just a brutal match. And of course, then when he came to Minneapolis, you know, right away, he wanted me. And <laughs> I didn't really want to go in there with him, but uh, I did. And when I got back from Japan, though, what I forgot to say, with the knee, I went to the doctor. They opened it up and the cartilage fell out in five pieces. Holy cow. So I wrestled with torn cartilage for two weeks straight. Mm, yeah. That, yeah. But that, that's what that, you did back then. Right. Right. And, and I mean, you, you did it with excellence. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com.
during this time, you know, this is kind of cool is that, especially from what I remember as a child, the Rimco action figure line came along Mm -hmm. and, you know, Steve kind of downplayed it because I think he felt like where he, you know, initially had Vince and then he ended up with Vern. And, and I feel like he said he didn't get to do all of the things with the toys that he wanted. And of course I would expect that nonetheless, but my brother and I especially hold those figures in such high regard. They were actually our first wrestling action figures and we had the road warriors and then of course we get the high flyers and we get other teams and and other wrestlers but tell me what it was like to have your first action figure greg well i tell you you know it it it, 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 at that time you know we didn't know what the action figures were but i do know this that the remco wrestling figures were the biggest ones ever sold oh yeah and and, and they were the only ones out on the market right exactly ran that for seven or eight years and retired yeah Um, yeah but, you know, I, in fact, I told him, I don't even have one of myself. Oh, <laughs> well, we can make that happen. And, <laughs> well, TK, uh, we had a guy send one to uh, He sent them to me. He had a, he had one. So I got the two of them. Okay. And, and my wife, I don't know, you know, she passed away four years ago and Sorry. a couple of my daughter's up in the attic and she finds this bag just a, a couple months ago, brings it to me and it's all the dolls. Wow. All the action figures. They had the Road Warriors. We had Garvin and Regal. We yeah. had the Sheik. Bachwinkle. Yeah. And all of them, but they didn't have any of me. <laughs> and they had one of Vern. They had one of Vern, and Vern never wanted his made. Right. And Steve wanted to make it, and they didn't. And when they, they went to make it, they had messed up the nose. Yeah. And all I had was I had the figure, and it was missing one leg. And so right. he says, you know what that's worth? I oh, said, man. Who would want that? Oh. Said, it's one of a kind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got it in my pocket. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> an, yeah. An unknown holy grail for sure. You know? Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, there are collectors out there that would pay upwards of probably 25000 probably for that. So it's. Oh, well, I'm going to hang on to it then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it may be more. I'm just saying upwards. I mean, it could be, yeah. could be way yeah. more. They so, have deeper pockets than I do. So <laughs> I don't know if I can sell it or not. <laughs> yeah, be that's tough. true. Yeah. You know, one thing that was in that line that I can't find much trace of, I know you had a great feud with him, but they had you as a tag team in Ganya's Raiders with you and Kurt Hennig. Tell yeah. me about Ganya's Raiders. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, Sergeant Slaughter came here and then they, uh, he, he had this thing he did in Charlotte and he had a kind of a flunky guy that was right. his sidekick. Jim and, Nelson. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and I ended up in the, you know, with him. Right. And they thought it'd be a better, a stronger team. You know, they wanted a stronger team and I don't think Slaughter was too happy with me being in that role with him, but, uh, we did it. And then I don't know, they threw Kurt Henning and I in and that's what they just did it for the dolls. We never wrestled that way. I was going to say, I don't remember. I was, yeah, never did. That's but they, they threw it in there. I mean, was that going to happen? <laughs> not that I remember. Right. <laughs> Kurt right. and I wrestled as a take team a couple of times, but you know, his dad and my dad had such a few, I mean, they, they just didn't like each other and they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they came from the same high school and the same wrestling coach back there. And, uh, uh, Kurt always, uh, we got along well, but he had a little chip and he was a little arrogant sometimes, you know, sure. especially when we were on the road and, and learning and when yeah. he had a good match, he'd get a little, little arrogant. I said, Hey, you know what? That'll catch up to you, man. There's too many guys in this business that can take you down really quick. Right. And they're all in AWA essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were at that time. Yeah. But Kurt turned out to be a, a unbelievable performer in the ring and uh, great. He was a great guy. We just, we had a lot of fun together. That, now, okay. You know, he's legendary ribs. Did that start in the AWA? Did his ribbing start then? Or was that a oh, much later thing? Christ almighty. No, it started <laughs> there. We had a guy, Rick Renslow, the Alaskan. Yeah. I don't know if I can even tell this on the air, this story. <laughs> if it gets too bad, tell me. Oh, sure. So, sure. Any, anyhow, Rick is underneath on the card, and we're wrestling in Winnipeg. 
and he goes on the second match and he's got to hurry up and, and get drive back home to Minneapolis because he had another job. So Kurt and him were always ribbing each other or teasing each other. And that what happened was Renslow, Rick grabbed his bag after threw his wrestling gear in there, grabbed the bag, ran out, got in the car and drove back to Minneapolis. And his wife took the wrestling bag downstairs to take the, take the, uh, the, uh, all his gear out and wash it. And all of a sudden she goes, Oh my God. And Rick hears her screaming down there. <laughs> she goes down there and God, Kurt had put a big turd <laughs> in the wrestling bag. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, apparently wow. what, it, what they did is <laughs> It came from Kurt, but it was put on the on the windowsill outside in Winnipeg. It was in the it was in January, and it froze. Oh no! He was able to put it in the bag, but by the time he got it home, it had, you know, yep. thawed out. Default. So you can imagine. <laughs> oh no! So now, so now Rick is livid. Yeah. So we're doing interviews one day, and we had. We had an event here in Minneapolis. I used to these this car dealership. I used to do commercials for. They wanted to do uh, a a big one of one of those big uh, tractor trucks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was a uh, Chevy, and they had the big wheels on it. Uh, some kind of a Chevy. Uh, I forget what they called it. There was a SUV of some kind up on the big wheels, and they painted it. It was called the Russell the Russell Rock or something like that. Okay. And somebody in the battle Royal was going to win it and Kurt won it. So Kurt comes in, he does do, we're doing our interviews one day. It's an all day deal. And he's got the Russell truck out there parked and he's driving home and he's late for dinner and he's, he's on highway, this highway 55. He's going about 65, 70 miles an hour. And all of a sudden the front wheels come flying off of it. Oh, completely off of it. And he goes sliding down into a ditch. Lucky he didn't roll it over. But Rick, Rick had cut the uh, had cut the brackets that he kept the tires on. Oh my God. <laughs> so after that one, they they both got called in the office and no more. Yeah. Somebody gets killed. Yeah. He said it just the wheels came flying off the thing. Yeah, because I mean, not only was that a rib on Rick, that was a rib on his wife, and you oh, know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It yeah, horrible. I, I mean, yeah, that's that's. So I that can't imagine that. Backfired on Kurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got back. yeah, he sure did. And, and I, from what I've heard, that's not common. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I, I'll tell you one more quick one. Jim Please. and I had won these tag, tag team titles. And we're carrying the belts and we got, we got these 14 days we've been on the road and we got to, again, we're going from, uh, our last matches in Toronto. We had to come back, we wrestled in Chicago, flew back to Minneapolis for TV the next morning, had to fly back through Chicago to mm. Toronto. Mm. And we did our, we did the wrestling show in Minneapolis and we're walking through the airport and O'Hare airport. We got to go over about three different gates from where we're at. And Jim is going, Jesus Christ, this bag is so damn heavy. And I said, what are you bitching about? We just won the tag team titles. Christ, I'm carrying mine too. Yeah. You're bigger than me. You're lifting all the, come on. <laughs> oh God, this is just a pain in the ass. So now we get to Toronto and we all get off the plane and we're off early. And then Bachwinkle Stevens, Heenan and Patterson and the rest of them on the card are behind us. And we get up to the customs and they look at Jim and they said, we're going to have to open your bag. Now, Jim was known as Dr. Brunzel by a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so we weren't sure what he had in his bag and he's panicking. He's in a panic and they open his suitcase and sand comes out of it. Patterson and Stevens had taken, you know, those ashtrays that have the white sand in it. Yes. Yes. The old ones. We uh -huh. had them at the TV station. They unloaded it into his suitcase. So there was cigarette butts. 
There was oh. sand. Oh my god! It was in, a, in his boots, in his trunks, in the bank, and the and the and you can see the the eyes of the the guys at custom. They look up at him, and he's just scared shitless. He's red. He thinks, "Oh my god, what else did I find in there? Where did that yeah. come from? I don't know anything about that." He's telling them. Yeah, yeah. And they look up and they see all the guys in the back laughing. So they figured that uh, somebody got him pretty good. So they let us go. <laughs> <laughs> He was oh, yes. hauling around about 35, 40 pounds of sand <laughs> in that bag that day. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> kind of the things that they did. I know that, um, you know, the UFC obviously is a big thing these days. And, you know, a lot of people like your dad who were legit wrestlers, legit tough guys. Uh, how do you think, how do you think your dad could have done in something like the UFC? Oh, he'd have done well. He was yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean, he was he was tough. Uh, I, I saw a couple incidences that they ended really quick. He even hammered Billy Robinson one night in a in a wow. hotel room. Yeah, took the bruiser. Yeah, but uh, this particular evening, this guy in the bar calling him an old man, this and that. And he says, well, mm. go out and kick the shit out of an old man. Come on, give it a try. Mm. Oh. They, they walked out and the guy went to sucker punch him. Uh, Vernon gone down the stairs. And as he turned around, the guy was just sucker punch him. And he took the arm and what we call an arm bar type and put the pressure above the elbow, threw his feet up and drove the guy's head right into the sidewalk. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Him right on. I think it was over in about you know three seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then we're then another night we're out in Vail, Colorado, and we're at a place called Peppy Peppy's. And he was a friend of my dad's, and he had a big restaurant in Vail. And my brother-in-law and myself were there. Just Peppy and his bodyguard, who was this big boxer who was about six foot four, maybe two sixty, and I guess he'd done pretty good in boxing. Mm. He was his bodyguard. So Pepe and my dad are talking and Bobby and I, my brother and I are sitting at a table and the, this boxer comes over and sits down to us and says, that old man, I could beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and my brother-in-law sp- spoke up first. He said, uh, I wouldn't mess with him. Right. I mean, Vernon was probably in the late fifties or early sixties at the time. He said, I wouldn't, you're out of your mind. And I said, you know, you'd have a better chance against the two, either one of us and we'd knock the crap out of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says, but that old man, he thinks she's pretty good. And he got louder and louder. Mm. And I could, we could see Vern kept looking over and we're going, oh, shit. <laughs> so, so finally we said, well, you know, if you think you, you can handle him, give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb shit gets up. And he walks oh. over to the table and he went to swing at Vern and he hooked him and he blocked one arm. He tied it to his side, picked him up in kind of a side suplex and drove the guy's nose right on the edge of this table, busted his oh. nose and went right over. Now he's got him on the ground and he's whacking him in the nose. Now what do you think mm. about the old man? You boom, and just kept hitting him. He must've hit him eight, 10 times. We finally pulled him up. He's going to be back at him. <laughs> so he was he was nobody to mess with. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, he was a good looking, clean cut guy too. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a, a Haku or a, a a Tongan or a Samoan. I mean, he wasn't out of the ordinary guy. I mean, I could see where some people would be more onic enough to try him, again, not yeah. knowing anything about him, but at the same time, I you know, I think I've seen Clint Eastwood movies recently and stuff like that. And I can just imagine yeah. the same scenario. You know, that's what it was like. Yeah. But, uh, he never, I, we never saw him lose one. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great guy. Welcome to the monster movie stop down where twice a month. We review monster movies from all corners of the planet. Join me sludge. And I was with the watch the other night and she's like, why are you watching this? You can quote this movie line for line. Like, that's very accurate. My co-host Mark. Don't ask me to do a stomp down on this because it's zero. <laughs> okay, dude. Ruben, what's your stomp down rate? And our brother from Texas, Ruben. It, it's just, I'm like, wait a minute. They tricked me into watching this. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I felt like. like. As we give you the history, our review, and the stomp down rating of some of the best and worst monster movies around. 
available through the Podbean app, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Amazon. Make sure and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Are you a pro wrestling fan? Well, stop by Captain's Corner, where you can get autographed photos, cards, magazines, and figures from all of your favorite wrestling superstars of the past, present, and future. You'll also be able to participate in live signings in the weeks and months to come. Make sure to stop by Captain's Corner on Facebook and give us a holler. Remember, cheers to the working man. So Steve Rosenthal calls me a year and a half ago. Yeah. Hey, you want to get back in the action figure business? I said, well, yes. Like what? He starts telling me, he says, Steve, if we're going to do it, here's what I'd like to do. I would like to go back and start with the men from the fifties that built this industry. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, gorgeous George, Lou Thez, Vern Gagne, Dick, the bruiser, Yukon, Eric, uh, the mighty Atlas. Oh yeah. Kowalski, Edward Carpentier, yeah. Tony Oraka. They're the guys, Don Leo, Jonathan, you know, right. These are the guys that built that thing. And that network TV ran for seven years and Lou was the NWA champion. He wasn't there every, all the time. Vern was on every week. Right. And he became right. the major star on it. Yeah. I said, let's take these guys who have never had that opportunity in their families. You know, we didn't have pensions or anything. A lot of them are hurting. Let's help right. the families out. Yeah. And he yeah. said, God, do you think it'll, I said, Oh, I know it'll work. I yeah. know it'll work. Yeah. If we tell the story, right. Right. And the story has to be told, you know, these are the icons. These are the guys that built this industry to take it where it is today. Absolutely. And, uh, Right now, we got over 200 contracts in. Yeah, that's amazing. All those guys I just named, Hardboiled Haggerty, you know. And then we go right through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And I even have some beyond that coming and out of the woodwork. That's an incredible segue. So, Jared, go ahead. Hit him. Yeah, I, 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 I've got my I've got my okay. Series 1 already pre-ordered, so I'm uh, oh, very excited really? about receiving it. Yes, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about uh the the uh, possibilities with the, all the wrestlers that you know Steve had mentioned when we were talking to him and you know just some of the names you were mentioning there those that's going to be incredible if we can get those out there and I told I told Steve it'd be nice if they maybe somewhere down the road we could see like a uh, kind of throwback Rimco style bodies on some of these uh, wrestlers well I, we don't, uh, I hope not, we're going to see on these these are going to be the they're going to be the collectibles yeah. yeah yeah we do have a surprise for everybody on the Rimco thing okay. That's, That's awesome. all I can say. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I, 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 hope, I hope we're going to see a figure of you as well down the road, hopefully. Okay. I just, I try to lay out the second set here today. I'm going to get your opinion on it. Okay. I'm going to give you some okay. names here. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Gorgeous George, Wahoo McDaniels, Ivan Koloff, Nikita Koloff, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, Medusa, oh, Rock and Rock, Yelani Kai, Antonio Rocket. Argentina or Edward Carpentier, Don Leo, Jonathan, or Yukon Eric, Harley Race, Nick Bockwinkle, Jack Briscoe, Pedro Morales, Sky Lolo, and Little Beaver. Holy cow. Mighty Atlas, Igor Putsky, Hercules Cortez. Holy cow. Who's our next six? (laughs) Oh, Uh, man. Mm. (laughs) Harley Race. uh. (laughs) I like the idea that you have Lou and your dad in this first series, but you also have Bruiser, you have Stan, some of the bigger, more flashier names, but also, like you said, the Don Leo Jonathan, the Edward Carpentier, those guys. uh, mm. Jared, I'm going to let you go. I've got the the entire Rougeau family. There were seven generations of them. Holy cow. So we're trying to do families and stuff, and I don't know. I'm trying to lay this thing out. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're trying to sky low, low and little beaver, but they were unbelievable. Oh, I'm sure. Midget wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. And, and my dad and the other guy, they used to go out and watch their match. It was that yeah. good. Wow. You know, wow. And then I tried to do a strong man, mighty Atlas, Igor Putsky, Hercules Cortez. Yeah. You know, and I got all these other people and I don't know how to divide this up and get these people out like this, but it's, um, yeah, George it's a George. Then we George 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 McDaniel. Yeah, for sure. Know, with the headdress. That right. I was always trying to take two from the fifties and then 
went from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but it wasn't working out. It was working out. I mean, Koloff's, they had a big feud with Morton and Gibson, so why not put the four of them together? I love oh, that right. idea. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, love that idea. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think you that's know. your six right there. You know, Wahoo. I mean, you've got to have Wahoo. I think the idea of a Wahoo McDaniel action figure makes me so excited because that was the first professional wrestling match I've ever seen in my life was Wahoo McDaniel versus the Italian Stallion. It was 1985 on television, and that's what led us to professional wrestling fans. That's why we're here talking to you today. So the idea of a Wahoo wow. action figure is amazing, you know, that – you know, then I thought I'd put the the four champions, so a couple of champions, with Bachwinkle, Race, Briscoe, yes. and Morales together. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and yeah. they throw two of the little Skyla alone little Beaver in with them. That gives the people a little, you know, something really different. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it's so hard. I mean, I got two hundred, and I hate to. Right. You know, <laughs> but you yeah. know, uh, we have such an array of talent going in here, in- Power Town. You know, if anybody wants to order pre-order, you can go to powertownwrestling.com and yes. order your action figure. You can get them in bundles of three, or you can get all six of them, or you can get them individually. And yeah. uh, the reason, uh, you know, I, I went with Hanson and Brody. We call, mm-hmm. we call, we had to divide them up into threes, and mm-hmm. TA came up with the the deal, the Alliance from the uh, NWA, right? Okay. Uh, and the Association and Alliance. Yeah. And the association, American Rock Association. So we put uh, Thez with Magnum TA and Kerry Von Erich, all from the NWA. And then we have Vern Hansen, who was an uh, AWA champion, and Brody in with the association. That makes total sense. Now, those, I love it. Those, yeah. those, those are such, those six are such strong, strong action figures. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We had uh, Holly Von Erich talk to her the other day, and she did. A, she talked about her dad's figure, and they're putting it on social media. And I'll tell you what, listening to her bring a tear to a glass eye. Yeah. She was talking about her dad. It was spectacular. She said, the eyes on my dad, Yeah. how did they capture those? I look at them. And then I looked at my dad's and said, well, here, Vern, they got his eyes. They got the cauliflower ears. Yeah. They got the jacket he wore back in the 50s. They got the belt. Yeah. I mean, everything that our guys have done with these action figures make them so unique and so different than what anybody else has on the market. And that's what we're going for, bringing back the the people, the icons, the pioneers that built this sport. They deserve to be recognized. And it's not just Vince McMahon, and it's not just the AEW. Right. This is right. They wouldn't be there if it wasn't for this. Absolutely. And these. Amen. We couldn't say it better, Greg. That came from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that wasn't a pitch. That was from the heart. Yeah. And, and you can truth. tell. And that's why yeah. I did this all, to help all these people. And, and, uh, God, it just, uh, I hope it really, I hope the people accept it. And, you know, when I told them, I says, we're wrestling people, no matter what age they are. Now, right now they're into what the bro but they still, the kids want to know about, they hear these other names. They right. want to hear about them. Yeah. And McMahon won't tell that story. And either right. really AEW. Right. So we're telling it. It's not their story to tell, but they need to hear the story. Because like you said, this is yep. the backs that it was built on. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, geez, I appreciate you guys taking all this time with me. I hope I didn't bore the people out no, there. No, no. Greg, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there someplace online that they can find you, social media-wise? Find me? Oh, yes, no. sir. Power <laughs> Town, right? I don't do a social media. You can find me in Power Town, where oh, wrestling lives on. No, I am on Twitter once in a while. Well, they'll find it's you the on real there. real Greg on you. Yeah, there's, there's about five or six of them on there, so... I never know when somebody's <laughs> taking a crack at me or somebody else. So yeah, I'm careful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so once again, Greg Gagne, thank you so much. Thanks to Steve Rosenthal. <laughs> thanks to Kayla at Relativity for hooking this up. But Greg, thank you again for giving us these amazing stories that no one ever gets to hear if they don't ask you, you know, and that's, that's why yeah. we wanted to have you on. And thank you so much for the career that you have. Thank you for being the class act that you are and meaning so much to professional wrestling. You know, our show is called Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And 
And that's exactly what Power Town is doing is you guys are giving us back our pro wrestling. You can I wanted to think- tie that in because your, your, your slogan there, give me my pro wrestling should tie right in with our Power Town. Oh yeah, perfectly. It does. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much, Mr. Gagne. Okay. Anytime you guys need anything, give me a holler. Okay. Yes, we'll sir. Do. We will. Thank you. Figure sold separately. Man, Sheik, what a cool episode with Mr. Greg Gagne. How cool was that? I, I'm I'm still in a little bit of awe. I mean, just talking to somebody that's been in the business as long as he has, that uh, has the pedigree that he has, and to know that how he's still staying involved with Powertown Wrestling and how excited I am for this brand. And um, like I said in the interview, I've already got my Series 1 pre-ordered. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully Hopefully those get out before too long. I know I, I saw that you can save 10% by applying code power to check yeah. out. So that's a good thing. Maybe we could get one of those. Give me back my codes or something like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking we're going to try for code GMBMPW, you know, but we'll see. I don't, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to say anything out of line, but we are working on that as we speak. So in the future, you may be able to use that for a discount. Hopefully, you know, we'll see, but at the same time, don't wait on that. Go ahead. Use the word power get that 10% off, get that first series. Like you said, I can't wait to see them and hold the boxes in my hand. You know, these are not just toys. These are high art in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. You know, they, they really are. And the quality that they are putting out. I mean, I don't think anybody is doing that. You know, I think they, you know, what what was it with, with AEW? They had a little growing pains. The first run was a little off skin color wise. Mattel has never, they've been great, but they also haven't always been perfect on theirs. So it looks looks like those things, the growing pains that those other companies like the Jacks and the Mattel went through, I hope that Powertown has gone past that. And it looks like they have. I mean, like I said, we haven't held the figures in our hands yet, but once that happens, you know, we're going to do a review of them, obviously, with the Sheik. And we'll let you all know. I mean, you know, honestly, though, what Greg said, you know, like he segued so perfect. He's a pro, you know, and oh, what yeah. Greg said about all those guys, I felt the passion coming through the line. You know, as he was saying this, I I know that everything they're doing is in the right place. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I feel like that he is really invested in looking out for the families of wrestlers who have passed on and for wrestlers that are still out there that maybe just need a little extra money because they didn't have the pensions or, or the yeah. big contracts that today's wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, not everybody has a contract like Brock Lesnar or Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair anybody like that has had or John Cena. I mean, so these people need, need your money to help them, you know, with day-to-day things probably that, that you take for granted. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, this is just another one in the long run of this podcast that I feel like we're, you know, shooting our shot and, and trying to really relate and get the, give me back my pro wrestling name out there to people to know what you and I are about as far as this show and where we stand, you know, when, we get guests like Greg Ganya in the upcoming Magnum TA episode. We want the very best from us and for you. And so once again, you know, we really appreciate you all listening. We thank you so much for the time that you spend with us and giving us your ear when you do. So, you know, not to go on too long, but you know, if you're looking to help us out, one thing you can always do is go rate and review us. We're at give me back my pro wrestling on any podcast platform from Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, whatever. If you rate and review us, leave a comment if you can. Five-star ratings are always appreciated. And those help us in the long run because what that does is that shows and relates other people to the show and it helps us grow what we're doing. So if you like what you're hearing, let us know by rating and reviewing it. And we can't thank you all enough for those that already have. Another thing is, is please go like and follow us on social media. I know you all have heard me say it a million times, but at GMBMPW on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, anything that you can find us on with the GMBMPW name, you find us there. You'll you'll get to see things like the Chic Shorts on YouTube, and you'll get to see cool things that we come up with. Our Facebook group is GMBMPW. Give me back my pro wrestling, and you know, with that, we get to connect to you all, and you all get to be 
our listeners, you get to be part of the show in that, you know, we'll bring up things like, hey, would you all like to hear us talk about this or that or whatever? We're wanting to become more interactive with our listeners. You know, we appreciate all of the support. You know, I don't want to talk too much here, but, you know, as we said, you know, talking to Greg Gagne today, what a legendary person and how appreciative we are to have him on, you know, she. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's one of these things makes it easy to get out of bed in the morning when you got an interview like that coming on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here. Obviously, GMB, MPW, give me back my pro wrestling. Check out the Live and in Color with Wolfie D show. That's my other show with Wolfie D, as you've heard before. Right now, we've had Enzo on, Butterbeans on, and we've had some cool episodes. We had the Jake the Snake from RobCon episode. Honestly, we're doing good things with both shows and, and really, really appreciate it. And honestly, you know, we're, we're one team here, Jared, Wolfie, and I. We're all one team, and we're in this together. Give me back my pro wrestling live and in color with Wolfie D. We're here to do the same thing every week is entertain you. So once again, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks again to Greg Ganya. Thanks again to Kayla at Relativity. Thanks again for Steve at Powertown. Thank you all so much once again for the Plastic Chic, Jared, for the legendary Greg Ganya. I'm Jimmy Street. This has been Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. See you next time. Don't forget, fight forever with a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment in my life This has been a James Rock Street production.